0: Anyone who's ever been in the hospital or even visited a doctor's office knows that nurses are the people who guide you through that experience like nobody else. And yet when it comes to disruptive change in our nation's health system, nurses are often denied a seat at the table. Why is that? Hello and welcome to today's Data Point podcast. I'm your host, Greg Matthews. And in this episode, we're going to be sitting down with Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Bonnie is Vice President of Innovation at the American Nurses Association, and we're going to be talking through that question and many more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome to the Data Point podcast. We are broadcasting live from the Health Equity Hackathon in Austin, Texas. I'm your host Greg Matthews, and I'm really pleased today to have as our guest Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Bonnie is the Vice President of Innovation at the American Nurses Association. Bonnie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: So glad you're here, and if I'm not mistaken, you are the first Vice President of Innovation for the ANA. That
1: is true, I am.
0: <laughs> that must be kind of an exciting challenge to create something new. What's, uh, how long have you been in the role? What's it, what's it been like?
1: Yeah, it's really cool, Greg. So I am the first person that is in this role for the American Nurses Association. So when you're the first, you always get to craft the role and make mm. it uh, look a little bit the way you want it to. So it's been a really neat journey to, to work on that and really try to bring in 4 million of our peeps, 4 million nurses wow. along with me on this ride.
0: That is so great. I uh, One of the things that I wanted to be able to do is... I'm so excited that you're here because I feel like the nurse is one of the unsung members of uh, the healthcare system. Uh, when you're receiving care, the nurse is your number one. You know, the nurse is the person you're going to be interacting with, but uh, not always as visible as they ought to be. I was reading a study about, you know, how uh, infrequently nurses show up as experts in the media, for example, that I, I believe you may have been quoted in. I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. What brought you to this place where you're focused on innovation for nurses in the U.S.? Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So from a nursing perspective, it's very, very interesting. Nurses have been the most trusted profession for 16 years. There are four times as many nurses as there are physicians. There are uh, eight times as many nurses as there are pharmacists, yet nurses tend to be incredibly underrepresented, not only in so far as kind of media and um, informational aspects, uh, quotes and, and whatnot, but also in regards to innovation. Mm. So much of this role is really to bring nurses along on this journey. And for us, that means a couple of different things. So I myself, I've been a nurse for, for 30 years. I've been a chief nursing officer for 20 years. Uh, I, was, I had the amazing fortune of being a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Executive Nurse yeah. Fellow. And during the course of that program, I actually made a a pivot in my own career to start learning as much as I could about innovation and focused uh, a group project on innovation. In fact, my group actually self-published a white paper called The Innovation Roadmap, a guide for nurse leaders that can be found uh, online. And as a result of that work, I then took it a step farther and began really to work on how to help organizations build cultures of innovation. It was through that work that I really became so passionate about seeing innovation as a lever to advance nursing that I actually then pursued uh, the ASU and AONE fellowship in innovation and did that for a year. So those things combined uh, kind of made me... Um, really decide that this was the direction I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And when this position became uh, available within the ANA, it seems like a really great fit for me.
0: It really does. I, I'm really curious though. I know it's, it's one of those things that I'd like to dip into your background as a nurse and as a chief nursing officer, much of that time spent here in Texas, uh, I know. What are some of the things that as you were a CNO, for example, uh, that you were focused on, if, if not innovation? What were some of the things that, uh, that you saw there that began to develop such a passion for involving nurses in the innovation process?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. So, you know, quite often when you're a chief nursing officer, there are a lot of things that really uh, are in the forefront, and then there are some things that are kind of tucked back in your brain. In the forefront, you spend a lot of time on the obvious, right, staffing. Mm-hmm staffing means having the right people in the right places in the right schedule uh making sure that your skill mixes are appropriate which uh, a lot of that job has to do with supply and demand sure right it's about how do you recruit how do you retain how do you train new graduates how do you keep them we know new grads after we have about a 50 percent turnover rate with new grads at the two-year mark so really a lot of effort and in fact resources go Mm. into trying to keep young nurses uh, on the other end of the demographic uh, equation, we also have nurses that are retiring that a faster rate than ever. So much of the work as a chief nursing officer is really to ensure that you're staffing safely, appropriately, based on patient need, um, and really goes around that. So it became apparent to me several years ago that there have to be better ways to do that. Mm. A lot of organizations use self-scheduling. They really try to engage nurses uh, to at least give them uh, some empowerment in ways that we can to help them craft their own schedules. Those are the things, though, that really, as administrators, as nurse leaders, you spend an awful lot of time on. Sure. So I don't know that anybody's truly cracked that nut, but that's what got me really interested in that there have to be more innovative ways to do the things that we do.
0: Yeah. As a, as a CNO working in a, in a clinical facility of, of one kind or another, did you have an opportunity to see other like efficiency studies, uh, other kinds of innovation uh, studies or, or research that was going on maybe that didn't include nurses in the process? Was that ever a part of the experience?
1: Uh, That wasn't part of my experience. Uh, We were actually able, through a variety of the different organizations I've been at, to pursue kind of different strategies Mm. that helped to give nurses the tools when they needed them. So, for example, one of the organizations I was at, um, we actually were able to utilize an online uh, teletracking tool to tell us how many patients were in any given bed or waiting in the ED which also helped us then utilize that to make sure that we were turning over our beds appropriately. Mm-hmm. Were they fast enough? Were they in the right places? And then also to take a look at, in an online capacity, the scheduling system to know that we were going to deploy the right staff in the places that we needed to based on how we saw them queuing up. And then we were able to take that a step farther. So instead of using it just on a maybe a unit secretary's um, monitor, what we were able to do is to put flat panel monitors um, on the wall. So in that case, that very little uh, kind of tweak in that system allowed mm-hmm. all staff and physicians and every clinical person to actually see what was queuing up, where patients were going to go, what, what that meant for staff, and then even one more iteration we took our um, house supervisors and we gave them portable tablets and we actually allowed them to have access to that very important information that they should have had to begin with. Sure. Instead of flipping through pages of paper that they had to literally cross out and mark mm. out with pen and pencil every, every time they rounded, now it was real time in front of them. So it, it did. it took us quite a while, almost a year, to put those three pieces into place. But it really gave nurses the tools they needed, and it empowered them to make the decisions they needed to make with real-time data so that we had the proper beds ready, turned them over, and then could deploy staff where we needed.
0: How did they respond to that change in experience?
1: Well, it made their life so much better because Mm -hmm. uh, an example here is that instead of uh, potentially thinking you need nurses in one unit, and then deciding which nurses might float. And as nurses, we don't like to float. It puts us in environments that we're uncomfortable with, that we're always fearful we're gonna do something wrong or be unsafe. So instead of having to worry about where nurses were gonna float, we were then able to shift the equation a little bit. And and maybe instead of having nurses from unit A float to unit B, we were able to make sure that we weren't doing that unnecessarily. But rather, were there other ways that we could change staffing that made them more comfortable, feel as though their care was going to be rendered in a safer manner, and then also use technology to help us provide better patient
0: care. Fantastic. It sounds like a great use of data and technology to smooth that process. Did you get the sense that patients experienced any of that as well?
1: You know, that's a real interesting point. It's hard to know that they did, but we know that they got better care as a result. So one of the things that that could show up as, um, potentially, we could have put a patient in a bed, and then maybe the next day when the correct bed came open, we would actually move the patient to the other unit, which has an impact. You obviously have now what used to be a clean bed is a dirty bed. You have people that are pushing a patient down a hall or in an elevator, which takes staff time. You have family members that are kind of asking you what's going on because they were in this room and now they're in that room. So we reduced a lot of that, not all of that, but a lot of that. So those things felt like it was uh, lending itself to a, a safer patient environment, mm. but I'm not sure the patient necessarily knew that
0: right no, it totally makes sense and, and honestly, some of those things are that go on behind the scenes it's uh, the things that you don't notice that actually are an ex- uh, improvement in the experience That's right. uh, you sound what you just described sounds like a great case study for how and why to involve nurses in the implementation of you know, data-driven technology, do, do you have a sense for, if nurses haven't always been a part of that process as much as they should, is there, what are the reasons behind that? What are the reasons that they tend to get left out of the, the those processes? So that's a
1: great question. We know that nurses are underrepresented in innovation, and in fact, much design and development happens without the voice of nurses in that equation. So there are many times and, and many examples In which uh, nurses first learn about a new product or device or model when there might be sales reps or educators from a company that say, We're trying to sign up super users or we're here to educate Mm -hmm. you. And it is not uncommon, uh, nurses reach out to me quite a bit and share their stories, and it is not uncommon for nurses to say, this doesn't work the way you intended it to. So now we're going to have to go back and we're actually going to have to modify it or change it to make it do what it's supposed to do. So it feels as though in design and development, we really miss the boat. We don't have nurses involved back at step A, but rather have them involved at step F. And we need to change that equation. We also know that even when you look at the board composition from a tech board perspective, there are about 10% um, or less of tech boards that actually have women on them. And 90% of nurses are women. So when you kind of line up all the holes here in the Swiss cheese, it's almost the perfect storm in that the the people that need to be involved in the design and development conversations up front are not in the board, they're not in the conversations, they're not part of the human-centered design process, none of those things. So that's something that we really do need to change.
0: It sounds like madness to be honest, and I, I was actually reading an article that I think you shared through your Twitter account at some point in the last couple of days about why so many healthcare startups fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a big part of that reason is because these the processes and the approach that has t- typically worked well in technology, it doesn't work in healthcare. It doesn't work in a place where there are lives at stake, where there are You know, multi-layered processes where there's a high degree of uh, you know uh, regulatory and documentation requirement. The list goes on and on. I'm, I guess this is leading up to the question of, as you come to an event like this, which is really focused on. Macro changes to healthcare or they, I guess they could be micro changes to healthcare, but the point is it's not just technologists that are coming to this hackathon it's not just developers it's not just data analysts it's meant to include and in this case does include it includes clinicians, it includes social workers, it includes people from many different walks of life. How important is this kind of event to being able to solve that problem? Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a really great point. Um, and again, it goes back to nurses are not familiar with the innovation world, with how innovation works with human centered design, with design thinking. These are not skills that we teach nurses, mm. so they really don't even realize that they don't know them, and yet, this is sort of the direction that much of the world has taken in terms of how we solve problems so Trying to solve problems in a way that nurses don't have that skill set is a little bit of a mismatch. So we're trying to figure out how do we help them educate and how Mm. do we bring them into that space and do that in a very, very different way.
0: When you made the jump to Robert Wood Johnson, uh, it sounds like that was a pretty pivotal moment. I think you may have even used that word. What was it that made you decide it was the right time to make that move and really focus on systemic innovation
1: i actually was a fellow starting in 2014. so for me at that point in my career it was a really great time it was a good opportunity i had been a cno for probably about 15 years Mm -hmm. so it was a really good time to actually learn how to freshen up my own toolkit so i found that as a an amazing opportunity and certainly developed an incredible network of um, colleagues through that process so timing was perfect and I think the skill set was a really great add for what I felt um, I, I pretty much was, was able to do in a way that delivered a, a track record of success. So giving me new tools, helping me problem solve in a very different way was a great add-on for me. So timing just happened to be perfect.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. As we, We're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back with Dr. Bonnie Clipper, we're going to talk a little bit about her work from RWJ leading into ANA and uh, where it's going to go from here. Hey everybody, this is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer, and we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us at the Data Point podcast. I'm host Greg Matthews, and I am here with Dr. Bonnie Clipper from the American Nurses Association. And we've just been talking about nurses and innovation, uh, something that Dr. Clipper has spent a lot of time studying, thinking about, putting a framework behind. And uh, you shared something interesting with me when we were off mic uh, about how nurses perceive themselves as innovators. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when uh, I visit nurses, organizations, hospitals uh, speak around the country, when I ask nurses uh, if they perceive themselves as innovators, typically very, very few hands go up and most nurses um, shake their heads. They do not see themselves in that light. However, we know based on data and research that nurses actually have an average of one workaround an hour So when I ask groups if they actually do workarounds while they're providing patient care, hands begin to go up. If I ask them if they've ever MacGyvered anything during their (laughs) shift, hands go up. So in fact, helping nurses put this in a nomenclature that they understand really does drive home the fact that they, in fact, are innovators but they don't see themselves with kind of a fancy definition of what an innovator looks yeah, like. Yeah,
0: it's, it's incredible. And even the, you know, the work that you were describing uh, in terms of process flow, like that is, that is innovation work, no question about it. Um, how have some of the things that you've learned through your work at Robert Wood Johnson, your various fellowships, and now you know, really creating this function at ANA, what are the kind of things that you've really been focused on? What are, the, what are the processes for innovation that you're looking to bring to the table and help other nurses become more uh, fluent in?
1: Yeah, thank you for that question. So at the ANA, you know, our, our journey on innovation is, it's a very interesting one. We're not a funding source. Uh, we don't make devices, um, gizmos, gadgets, that's, that's not our thing what we really focus on is kind of three different tenets of a framework and those have to do with highlighting and celebrating the work that nurses do in innovation, igniting the passion uh, for innovation by helping bring them into spaces to do that. So for example, Uh, We actually have uh, innovation labs at some of our conferences, uh, sort of makerspace-ish, where we actually allow them to come in and kind of work with designers and engineers to craft their ideas and in some cases even develop prototypes around their innovative ideas and inventions just to help them understand that they really do have some great things going on that, that can help us transform health. Uh, around highlighting and celebrating. We actually do have the ANA's Innovation Award, and that's new for us. So it's $25,000 for a nurse, $50,000 for a nurse-led team. Wow. And that's a pretty incredible opportunity as well. And then really just helping them to develop a skill set and cultivate competencies around innovation. So trying to do some education. We have a conference uh, every spring where we really do spend some time helping nurses really try to develop and refine that skill set. So those are new for us, but we think in order to transform health, we really are going to have to bring four million nurses along with us yeah. with a new skill set, helping them try to learn that not only in nursing school, but also existing nurses learn that along the way in their workplace.
0: That's fantastic. Um, for the Innovation Award itself, has that been awarded yet or is that it something is that is not. upcoming?
1: That's right. It is not. So okay. applications are still open till All December 31st. So it's actually on the ANA's website. Uh, and we are very, very excited. Uh, we have about 130 applications that are in process, with about 40 to 50 of those that are completed. So we're really excited about digging into those in January to see what's out there. Yeah, that's a really, really neat thing
0: for us. So as you're out and about and interacting with nurses in the field, you know, hosting the innovation workshops at conferences and so forth, how are how do you feel that nurses are responding? Is that something that is uh, uh, meeting an unmet need? Are they skeptical? What What are you seeing out there?
1: They, they're very excited. They want to understand what this innovation thing is and how it can help them with their jobs, with their practice, with p- patient care. They're very, very excited. And once I'm able to actually start talking to nurses about the work that we're doing and this journey that we're on, they want to be part of it. They want to contribute. They want to participate. They have great ideas and they don't know what to do with them. Mm. So it is a really amazing, I have the best job at the ANA. It is certainly very, very fun. I have people that reach out to me through LinkedIn, through Twitter all the time, sending me ideas. I actually had someone send me a prototype of their um, actual invention. It was sitting on my uh, chair one day when I came in, it got shipped to me. So there are all kinds of amazing things wow. that are going on in nurse land.
0: So it sounds like um, creating this function within ANA may bring forth some of the, the hidden uh, talents, the, the hidden passions uh, that just never had an outlet before. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. fantastic. So I know one of the things that uh, we've seen here in Austin, it's been very, very visible, is with Dell Medical School, uh, having people like Stacey Chang, who's here at the conference with us, uh, Who is a healthcare design guru uh, that came out of IDEO? Is really trying to reshape medical education. Are there similar initiatives going forth for nursing schools? There
1: are some nursing schools that are focusing on innovation and really trying to help their students kind of develop those skill sets mm. as undergrads as well as graduates. I think that's definitely a shift that we're going to continue to see in the next several years is that more nursing programs are going to take a harder look at innovation and design thinking Mm. as a skill set and as problem solving tools to help students understand that. And then certainly as we educate students, we also then have to look at the 4 million nurses that are already employed and figure out how to help them retool their skill sets. So there's a, a lot of work yet to do in this, but really that's the place that I think we all want to get to.
0: It completely makes sense. And I guess one of the things that I've been really curious about as, a, as we've had this conversation is that if we take as a given that the nurse, you know, is in closer contact with the patient than anybody else, is uh, trusted to MacGyver solutions to do workarounds on a, on a regular basis, because they know that that's what needs to be done to serve the patient most effectively. What are the things that, in the system, will uh, oppose that? What are, the, what are the cultural obstacles that need to be overcome uh, in order to have nurse as innovator and accepted part of the model?
1: Yeah, that, I think that's going to take some time to develop. Mm-hmm. I think not only is that going to be retooling some skill sets, I think we're really going to have to take a look at how these roles evolve. It seems to me that it should be more common than not that that nurses understand how to utilize an innovator's mindset to problem solve. Just as it seems to make a lot of sense to me that as we develop solutions, we need to make sure we're solving the right problem from a tech perspective. So I think there's certainly a lot of evolution that's going to have to happen in a very multifaceted way for these pieces to come together.
0: Yeah, it, it completely makes sense. And it's it, there's so much potential out there. It's really, it's very inspiring.
1: It's really cool.
0: So you've been in the role for about 14 months. That's right. What are some of the things that you've learned about creating an innovation function inside you know, a stable and and you know traditionally relatively conservative organization. What are what are some of the things that you might share with others who are attempting to introduce innovation concepts?
1: Yeah, I think that you know there's been um, the learning curve. I think has been a fun one. Mm-hmm. I think it's sometimes I feel like I'm boxing with butterflies. Right, I'm not always able to pin down what it is I'm asking for, what it is I'm doing. Uh, right now, you know, I think we're really trying to figure out how do we develop skill sets in nurses. Um, it would be great to tell you that everything I do generates revenue, but it all doesn't. Sure. So I think a lot of this is really, uh, it's, it's got to be the long haul, right? We have to be in this for a while to figure out how do we help nurses develop in a space that they've never been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're certainly visible in ways they've never been before. So you talked earlier about this particular uh, event, Hacking Healthcare. So there are actually six nurses here which is really cool. Uh, I think it's about 8% of the Mm -hmm. attendees today, and that's an anomaly. So that was, uh, I I don't want to say that was all due to me, but picking up the phone multiple times, sending out a lot of social media, sending emails for some personal favors, getting people here, I think really is a way to start to engage nurses, and the ones Mm -hmm. that are here are having a blast because they've never done this. So bringing nurses into spaces they've never been before is incredibly important. South by Southwest is a space that nurses have never been before. Now for 2019, I've actually been part of a group that has set up eight panels that will hopefully get selected that have nurse content, not only for nurses, Mm -hmm. but by nurses on very um, kind of innovative approaches to topics that are relevant to non-nurses alike. So we're really trying to show up in places that nurses have never been before.
0: I love that because not only does it have the benefit of exposing nurses to what's possible and how this sort of design thinking, this innovation process works, but it gives great exposure to the nurses, you know, for the technologists, for the data scientists, for uh, the designers to really understand how much of that real-world insight the nurses can bring that you're never going to get from uh, really any other source.
1: Well, absolutely. And they're such amazingly bright individuals. The input of nurses can save you weeks, months, even years yeah. of, of work by including them on your teams from, from square one. And having them in those places where they've not been before they're able to raise questions and ask things that are very very germane to the conversation that yeah. people may never have thought of.
0: And I bet that they came into this not necessarily understanding that they would be able to contribute that.
1: That's exactly true and it, it helps nurses in a way you know there's certainly a very uh, strong prevalence of humility mm. in nursing right we we tend not to always be the loudest or, or you know strongest standing, uh, brightest star in the room, yet we are. We often hide our light under a barrel. And I think that with the nursing community, there are incredibly bright individuals that have a lot of solutions, that have a lot of knowledge, that have a lot of great input. We just have to listen to it and bring it into the conversation when it's not there. Fantastic.
0: I think that's actually a wonderful way to close this conversation. That is an inspiring message, I think, for the system, for nurses, um, you know, for all of us that are out there trying to make things better. Uh, You've been listening to the Data Point Podcast. I'm Greg Matthews. Our guest today has been Dr. Bonnie Clipper, Vice President of Innovation at the American Nurses Association. Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing your time and your insight with us and uh, for the work that you do. Thank you, Greg. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at chimoose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at
1: touchpoint.health.